evening. Welcome into Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us as I've got you for the next 52 minutes as we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers baseball this evening. As always, if you'd like to give us a call, you can do so at 414-799-1620 or the Accident Mortgage toll-free talk line available at 800-877-1620. We've got a lot to get to today. You know, I was trying to put together the show uh, before before we got it going here. And... um, I was, I we've just got a lot to talk about, and sometimes when it's this early in uh, in spring training, you don't really have a lot to get into. But we certainly have a lot to get into today. So, uh, looking forward to being able to do that. You know, the the exhibition, the spring training season, it is going to officially begin coming up uh, tomorrow as the Brewers will take on UWM, which is a really cool thing, by the way. And Craig Council talked about it and. He made reference to the fact that in the state of Wisconsin, you want to play D1 college baseball, you've got one place to do it. You have absolutely one place to do it, and it's at UWM. And I think to see support from uh, from the major league team in the state in terms of really you know, just, just being able to uh, go out there and play the team have the opportunity to play against a big league team there there's something there's something special about that so i appreciate what the brewers are doing and uh we'll we'll look forward to that game then things are really going to start coming up on saturday as uh they'll start playing major league teams so we'll, we'll kind of preview what's going to happen here over the next uh couple days getting ready for that uh i the expectations for this team this year and i, I thought about this when the uh, this past week, the Westgate Hotel in Vegas put together uh, projected win loss totals for baseball teams this year. And the Atlantis Casino in in Reno had already done it, and they put the Brewers at like seventy four wins, so about the same as as last year. And then the Westgate posted uh, theirs this past uh, week on Tuesday, actually, and they've got the Brewers at sixty nine and a half wins. The third worst win total uh, for this upcoming season. The only teams that have projected win totals, according to uh, the Westgate, is the San Diego Padres at 67.5, and and then the Chicago White Sox at 68.5, and and then it goes the Brewers. So those are the, and then the Cincinnati Reds are just in front of the Brewers at 70.5, but the Brewers, the White Sox, and the Padres are the only teams in the 60s in terms of projected win total. Now, I know I'm a bit of a honk for the Brewers. I get that. Uh, I, I see the best in them. I enjoy seeing them win. My job is a lot better when they are winning games, and uh, I, thought they, I thought they played well. And sometimes, you know, you forget sometimes when, you, when these odds come out. Vegas is generally pretty spot on on stuff, and it's amazing on point spreads how often they're, they're right there. But the actual the actual goal of a point spread is not to be right. You know, if if they if they sit there and say the Packers are gonna are favored by seven and a half points in a game, it's while it ends up working out this way at times, while while very often the score ends up being right there. What the actual goal of a point spread is is to get the betting public to bet fifty percent on one side and fifty percent on the other side. 
because they make money. If they can get pretty close to 50% betting on each side of the spread, that's the way Vegas casinos, or any casino for that matter, goes and makes money. So that's always a caveat when you see these things. So it's not really, it's not so much the expectation of this season. It's more what are you, what's the betting public going to be able to bet 50% on top of and 50% below? So sometimes people like me might be sitting here a little closer to the situation going, Brewers at 69 and a half wins. That seems a little, little bit low. But it's, uh, again, it's, it's, and it does seem low to me. But I've had people on Twitter, you know, I'm pretty high on this team. I've had people on Twitter come at me and say, this is, this Brewers team this year, they're worse than last year. Look at the bullpen. There's a chance Ryan Braun gets traded. There's a, there's a chance Ryan Braun gets hurt again. You've got unknowns all over the place. They're going to lose 100 games. I disagree. I respectfully disagree. I understand how somebody can come to that conclusion, but I, I don't agree with it. It's just, uh, it's, this is the time of the year where you get to be hopeful, and I am hopeful about this team. And somebody else who's hopeful about this team is the owner, Mark Atanasio. Last weekend, he had some interesting comments to the team when he addressed them. And every year before the first full squad workout, he speaks to the team. So he spoke to the team on Saturday. And his message to the team was, don't F it up. And he didn't say the letter F. He said the word, which obviously I can't say here. And he was talking about the opportunity. And the opportunity is, this is a Brewers team that expects to compete at a very high level somewhat soon and he wants to see the guys on this team who have a who have the potential to be a part of the core that's going to be on these teams moving forward that are going to be winning at a high level he wants to see those guys take advantage of the opportunity but i think you know that's kind of the long term view of the don't f it up i just get the sense and, and you know you're i'm kind of reading between the lines here I just get the sense that he's a little he has a little bit higher expectations for this team than maybe he would let on. Yeah, Brewers uh, on deck event when we spoke to him, he basically said he's not judging the team on wins and losses this year. That you know he'll get to that point at some point, um, but he's not there quite yet, and. Then he goes and he gives the don't F it up thing. And I just get the sense that maybe Atanasio thinks this team's going to be a little bit better than anybody out there uh, absolutely expects. So uh, interesting comments from him. Here's what's uh, on the show today. Jonathan VR, he uh, reportedly turned down an extension for the Brewers to uh, buy out his arbitration years. We're going to talk about that coming up in uh, just a few minutes. What does that really mean for this team? Scooter Jeanette is playing all over the place. He's working out. He's working hard. He's got extra work every single day. Is he going to find a spot on this team? And is he going to be able to? Is he going to be able to play third? Is he going to be able to play in the outfield? We'll get into that. And also, what should the lineup look like? I, I know, I know, I know what the date is. I realize that it is February twenty third. Craig Council was asked about the lineup a few days ago, and he didn't go down that line of thought. He said, you know, the lineup's not going to start to really get constructed until after the World Baseball Classic when the guys who are going to participate in it are going to uh, make their way back. But I don't have to abide by those rules. I can do whatever I want, and I can start uh, going through what I think the lineup should be. So I'm going to do that coming up uh, at about 8.43. 
And if you have thoughts on the lineup, we'll be taking your phone calls at that point as well at 414-799-1620 or the Acunet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line 800-877-1620. And we're going to kind of go away from the on-field aspect of, uh, of the baseball team and go to kind of the business of baseball and the evolution of uh, baseball in terms of what teams are having to do. Uh, we're going to be joined by uh, Caitlin Moyer coming up later on in the program. And uh, exciting! excited to talk to her. She is the uh, director of new media uh, for the Brewers, meaning she handles all the social media and things like that. Brewers are really, really, really good when it comes to social media. And uh, get to talk to her a bit about uh, really how they do it and how it affects kind of the business operation. So that's what the program is going to look like today. Again, 414-799-1620 or the Ankinet Mortgage toll-free talk line 800-877-1620. Jonathan VR and uh, the extension that he doesn't accept. We'll talk about it next here on WTMJ. Weekly continuing here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley, 414-799-1620, or the Accident Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line, 800-877-1620. There was a report, FanRag Sports, John Heyman, they do do a great job. We've had uh, Tommy Stokey on the station. I think we've had John Heyman on at some point in time on the station. They just do a really good job, and they're, uh, they're kind of one of those up-and-coming groups of media organizations, and it's, uh, it's good to see. But uh, nonetheless, they had a report that said uh, Jonathan VR had been offered a contract extension. Now, it's it, in baseball, sometimes with young players, the contract extension kind of has a... Uh, it's not an open market contract extension because you, have, you control a guy... For a number of years, Jonathan VR has not even hit arbitration yet. He will be eligible for arbitration after this upcoming season. So, you don't really know how much money Jonathan VR is going to make. And the other side of this is what Jonathan VR is really good at. Like the thing that makes him stand out over other players in baseball is his ability to steal bases. The fact that he can lead Major League Baseball in stolen bases. What's that really worth in arbitration? Well, do you, And do you really want to figure that out? And I think we've seen that the, the Brewers, and not to always bring up Chris Carter, I think we've seen that the Brewers are... They don't want to go to arbitration with a guy where they may really lose and have to pay just a ton of money. They like to kind of have an idea of it. And yeah, they went to arbitration with Chase Anderson, but you know Chase Anderson, and this is not a knock on Chase Anderson, but he, he didn't do anything overly exceptional in terms of his numbers. He had one game where he almost had a no-hitter, but outside of that, he just had a nice season. So you knew even the numbers he presented were not going to be crazy. So you've got Jonathan VR, who you really don't know what he's going to do going forward, 
the stolen bases where he might lead the the big leagues in that every year the fact that he might be able to turn into a guy who's hitting you know coming up with 60 70 stolen bases and hitting 20 home runs a year like that's a that's a very select group of guys who have really ever done that in the history of baseball it's a little worrisome in terms of how much money you may have to pay him in arbitration so the brewers try to buy out his arbitration years and what that what that basically means is he doesn't get to go to arbitration and instead they're going to pay him this set salary so generally when you do that you get a little bit more money on the front end of that like he's making five hundred thousand dollars right now if he goes and signs a a three-year deal worth twenty million dollars or even a four-year deal worth twenty million dollars which is what the uh... what the proposal was according to uh... john Heyman. Uh, it was a financial guarantee in the neighborhood of $20 million over an undisclosed term. You assume that that buys out all three arbitration years, and sometimes when you buy out arbitration years, you grab one more year on the backside as well. So it's probably $20 million over the course of either three or four years. So he was going to make somewhere between 5 and $6.5 million a year. He's making 500000 right now. So that's a that's a big bump in salary on the front end. But on the back end, if he goes through arbitration three consecutive years, he might be making a lot more than that on the back end of that contract. So that's where you're kind of gambling on yourself, and that's where the 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 economics of baseball really come in. And it's just it's it's interesting to see that Jonathan VR turns this down because it's a lot more money, it's financial security right now. But what are you leaving on the table on the back end? My belief in this is always buy out the arbitration years as a player. When you're a young player like this, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to fall off. You're still going to be a young player when you hit unrestricted free agency for the first time. So you still have an opportunity for a big, big payday. It's just going to be delayed a couple years. And even if you go to arbitration, these are all one-year deals. Go sign this. Have you know You're guaranteed at this point. If Jonathan VR signs this deal and he's guaranteed $20 million over three or four years, he is set for the rest of his life. There is no problems. Rest of his life, he is in good shape. And that's, that's the take I would take on it. But the Players Association views it differently. If you remember a few years ago, the, uh, the Houston Astros bought out the uh, arbitration years of John Singleton. Ended up being a great deal for Singleton because he hasn't done a thing in the big leagues. But when he signed that deal, the Players Association went crazy. How dare you sign this deal? You're, you're, you're messing everyone else over. You are not going to be able to get uh, the amount of money that, uh, that you would be able to get if you went through arbitration. That's the Players Association take on it. I promise you, John Singleton, laughing right now about it because he hasn't had anything significant in Major League Baseball, yet he's making a pretty good amount of money. All right, we're going to shift gears and looking forward to uh, talking with uh, Caitlin Moyer. She is the uh, director of new media uh, for the Brewers, and uh, she'll join us next. We'll talk about uh, the, the Brewers do a great job with their social media. It's fantastic, and uh, it's something that's kind of new in baseball, sports overall. I mean, just the way you, you go about doing social media, and we're going to talk with her about it next. It is uh, Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Weekly continues here on WTMJ. The Oscars are this weekend. Who will win? Who will lose? Gene Miller gets predictions from a local film critic. That's at 821 tomorrow on Wisconsin's Morning News. 
Also, coming up tomorrow, the Brewers uh, open up spring training play. They will take on uh, UWM. We'll continue to uh, look forward to that in just a few moments. But right now, we're going to kind of shift into a different uh, gear for a moment or so. And this is something that I'm really interested in because I think the Brewers do just a fantastic job with everything that they, they touch from a social media perspective. And the person who is really overseeing all of it, uh, she is the director for uh, New Media for the Brewers. Her name is uh, Caitlin Moyer, and she joins us right now. Caitlin, thanks for taking a, a few moments. How are you doing? I'm great. How's, uh, you know, you're down at spring training. How is that treating you so far? Oh, it's been great. Um, you know, just started camp last week. Um. This team does a really good job with social media, and it's fun because people get an inside look. Sometimes there's something that's kind of funny. There's just a lot of different things going on. Very broad question, but when you guys go about kind of your your social media strategy, what what are you trying to accomplish? It's on the board. We know most of us, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, and. Um, you know, we're just trying to reach the fans where they are. We're trying to, you know, show them behind the scenes, you know, the players' personalities, really try to build an affinity with the team, connect them. Now, I, I'm somebody, when I, when I tweet something out, sometimes something just kind of, it gains traction for some reason, lots of retweets, a lot, lot of people responding to it. And more often than not, I'm kind of surprised about what it is. And then I think I'll tweet something out really awesome and, and nobody will even care. Do you ever get surprised if you put something out there and, and the great response that it gets? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, something that you think, is, like you said, something you think that will do perform really well might fall flat, but there could be something out there that you, know, you just kind of put on a whim and it, and it gets a lot of traction. Obviously, the part you know, people are getting paid to do this, and it's, it's part of the business operation for the team. What? How does? And I don't know if you're the right person to ask this. Maybe it's your bosses that that, that need to answer this question. But from a from a business perspective, what role does social media play in terms of kind of building the business that is Milwaukee Brewers baseball? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a huge opportunity to reach our fans and to get our message out to them. Like I said before. You know, we know where they are. Um, we want to reach them exactly where they are and communicate with them uh, directly there. There was a situation in the NBA recently where uh, tweets from one team to another or tweets about other teams kind of went below a line, and, and the NBA sort of had to step in and, and really set, a, set guidelines about what you can say to, to other teams and about other teams. Do you guys get guidance at all from Major League Baseball and things like that? Um, to a degree, but I would say that um, as a sport, um, the sport as a whole, we're really um, sorry. We are really more friendly, I guess you could say. We don't really take jabs at each other. You saw a little bit of that with the World Series, and I think the teams that got to that point kind of earned the right to talk smack to each other. But <laughs> um, as a whole, we don't really do that. Um, and you know, there's a lot of coordinated efforts behind the scenes. We're all kind of you know friendly with each other. We may compete on the field, but um, off the field. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because there will be times where maybe there's a uh, there's a song and all the t- teams like tweet a, a single lyric from the song and it goes on. And there was there was like a snowball fight recently with yep. with gifts and everything. How does that get coordinated? Because it's all these different major league teams, you know, putting together this concerted Twitter effort. You know, sometimes it is planned. Sometimes it's just spontaneous, but. 
like the uh, song that you're referencing, we did that on Christmas Eve, and there was just an email that went out to a bunch of my counterparts and said, hey, we're going to do this. You guys want to take different lyrics, split it up, find a gift that goes with it. Um, we'll start it at, you know, 2 o'clock, and then we'll go from there. But then, like, the snowball fight, I think, like, the Reds started that or the Rockies, and then another team chimed in, and we just kind of caught on, and that was not planned at all. <laughs> that's Dude, that's got to be, like, the most fun you have, right? Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Especially jumping on like anything that's a, a trending hashtag and things like that, it, it really gives gives you a chance to use social media what it's intended for and um, you know take advantage of that. Yeah, how important is it that you know every day you and your staff realize that you know in in this world that we live in that's kind of jaded and kind of negative that that your job in terms of social media is really to stay fun and be positive and do do things that put smiles on people's faces. Yeah, it's really great. It's really great when you read like a comment, you know, oh my gosh, the Brewers just favorited my tweet. And you're like, well, you know, if you knew who it was just doing that behind the scenes, you might not be that impressed. But, um, you know, just the little things that really give fans joy. And, you know, we did like Mom Joke Mondays last year in spring training, for example. And that's an example of one of those things where you put it out there and you don't expect it to kind of go viral. And, um, you know, people really glommed on to that. And um, a lot of people made a lot of people smile and laugh. You can't watch that clip without, without laughing. I know I said staying positive, but gotta be honest here. And you don't have to name the team, but is there a team or are there some teams out there that are just stodgy and they don't want to get involved in all the fun and you just kind of shake your head at them? Um, yeah, I won't name names or, or teams, but um, I would say it really has to do with your performance on the field and, and the makeup of the team itself. You know, there's going to be times, you know, we've had guys that just, it's not their thing and they don't really like social media and they don't want to participate but if you have a fun clubhouse and guys that are outgoing and um, they want to do these fun things then we take advantage of it also you know helps you know how you're performing so times are bad you're going through a slump you know you're gonna kind of change the the tone of what you're doing we're talking with uh caitlin moyer she's the director of new media for the brewers i think the brewers clubhouse especially this past year was just a fantastic group of guys is it, for the most part, is it easy to work with them, and, and are they generally pretty good about uh, when you you know have requests from a social media perspective? Oh my gosh, yes. To to a guy, they're all fantastic to work with. Um, I think fans are really going to love these new guys that we've got. Um, Eric Thames, Travis Shaw. Uh, you know, some of those new guys are they're really active on social media. They seem to have really great personalities, and I uh, just can't wait for fans to get to know them. But Has, yeah, everyone is willing to participate. I don't know if you guys saw the emoji faces that we did on photo day, but, uh, you know, I, I think I got participation from every guy on that one. The, how's, uh, is, does Craig Council get involved very often? Um, you know, Craig wants the focus to be on the players, um, and rightfully so, but, you know, he, he also realizes that he is, you know, the Wisconsin native and a fan favorite himself, so... Um, he tried to try to stay away from asks of him, but you know he's done some great work in commercial spots and being an ambassador for the club. He was in a Tim Dillard video last year. I mean, that's that's the like the mecca of social media uh, experiences, right? Well, no one can say no to Tim. Um, so we've been really grateful to work with him. You, you know, I uh, I was with the Sky Sox before I got here, and my my last year with the Sky Sox was the the first year. Uh, with the Brewers affiliation, and I got to know Tim a little bit, even when uh, he was with Nashville, and they would come in to play Colorado Springs. Is there is there anybody better in terms of handling social media and just doing fun stuff than Tim Dillard? I don't think so. You know, Tim, Tim like I said, Tim's been great to work with, and we've been lucky to have him. You know, as a call up last September and helping out with Brewers on deck, and you'll see a little bit of him um, in our camp for spring training and some some broadcasts and. 
work of that nature. But yeah, he is, he's just so creative. Um, it's, he's so much energy and it's, it's really a joy to work with him. Um, you know, another guy that is in our minor league camp right now is Cody Decker. Um, he seems to be a spitfire personality along those same lines. So those guys are in the same clubhouse. You know, who knows what can happen? Yeah, ab- absolutely. And it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun to see. Well, hey, uh, Caitlin, thank you so much for taking some time. I know you're busy down at, uh, spring training. So, uh, encourage everybody to, to follow you guys on all the different social media channels. You're on everything. And we barely even, uh, you know, went beyond the surface on what you guys do. But, uh, thanks for taking a, a few moments tonight. Oh, thank you for having me on. And, uh, you know, we are going to have a really fun social video coming out this weekend. So I encourage uh, fans to keep their eyes on our platform to see that. Perfect. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Caitlin. Thank you so much. Take care. You bet. There's uh, Caitlin Moyer uh, joining us here on Brewers Weekly. By the way, if you want to follow her on Twitter, she is at C Moyer. They just look, I want to have, I love the stuff they do. Uh, and. Uh, I don't know, you know, if you're listening right now, I don't know how engaged and involved you are in the world of social media. I don't know what I would do without Twitter. I can Facebook, take it or leave it as far as I'm concerned. It's more about connecting with other people. But, man, there's a lot of garbage on Facebook. Twitter is fun. Like, I love Twitter. And I really, I need it. And the, the stuff the Brewers put out there is, is just awesome. All right, so we're going to, uh, we are going to shift gears back into baseball. Craig Council said this week, that he's not even ready to start thinking about a lineup, that he won't even start thinking about it until um, until after the World Baseball Classic when everybody's in camp. Well, just because Craig Council doesn't think about a lineup doesn't mean I can't think about a lineup. That's the paper with my lineup written on it, and I'm going to go through it and explain it. And we'll take your phone calls as well. If you've got uh, if you've got a lineup that you uh, want to uh, share or don't like something that I've got, we'll uh, get into that coming up here in just a little while. 414-799-1620 or the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line 800-877-1620. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Weekly continues here on WTMJ. My name's Matt Pauley. The Bucks open the unofficial start of the season second half tomorrow against the Utah Jazz. Ted Davis and Dennis Krause uh, begin our coverage along with Justin Garcia with Buckshots at 6.40 tomorrow night. 414-799-1620, the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line 800-877-1620. So everybody wants Craig Council to say what the lineup is going to look like this year. And he doesn't really want to engage in that. Deep down, he's got a, he's got an idea of it. And there's enough kind of hard, solid facts about where you got to put guys that you have a general idea. But he, this week, when he was asked about uh, the lineup, he really did not engage in that conversation, saying, "Look, we'll, we'll talk about it after the World Baseball Classic." That doesn't mean that I can't think about it, and I have been thinking about it. So, without further ado. Here is my February 23rd edition of the Brewers 2017 lineup. Now, here, here are the assumptions that I'm making. My assumptions I'm making are the outfield from left to right will go Braun, uh, Broxton, Santana. The infield from left to right will go Shaw at third, RC at shortstop, VR at second, Thames at first. I don't name a catcher in this. I just name the position catcher, and then obviously the pitcher batting ninth. 
So kind of your base lineup, he's going to use a ton of guys. You know, Aaron Perez is not a part of this, and you would assume that Aaron Perez is going to play better than 100 games this year, but just bouncing around all over the place. You know, what's going to happen with Scooter Jeanette playing so many different positions? So I just kind of used a base lineup, and it can change based off who's in there. The two things that I think are solid, you can't mess with, it's going to be this way no matter what, is Jonathan VR as your leadoff hitter and Ryan Braun as your number three hitter. And then I guess the other thing would be the, the pitcher batting ninth, but that's neither here nor there for the moment. So here's my lineup. Batting second, and this is a big question. You know, the, the number two spot is a very important part in this lineup. I like my I'm a little different. You know, some some people like the uh, the number two hitter to be a guy who hits for average, a guy that never strikes out, a guy that can get an extra base hit, you know, put one in the gaps, that sort of thing. I like my number two guy to have a little bit of pop. I want them all to do that, but I think I think the threat of a home run from your number two hitter is really important. And there's there's people out there who completely disagree with that. So I'm putting as my number two hitter, I'm putting Domingo Santana. Uh, you could... Yeah, you could think about Travis Shaw in that spot, I think. You could even think about Keon Broxton in that spot. But I'm going to put Domingo Santana as my number two hitter. Then Ryan Braun is third. You brought in Eric Thames to be a home run hitter, to be a guy at first base. He had a million home runs in Korea, and the expectation is that he hits a bunch of home runs uh, with the Brewers. So I put him in the four spot as the cleanup guy. Uh, I think a lot of people expect Travis Shaw to really hit well, especially at Miller Park, and he's at third base. That is a highly offensive position that you want to see uh, good numbers. So I'm putting Shaw as my number uh, five hitter. I lean Keon Broxton in the sixth spot. So in the sixth spot and the eighth spot, I have a player slash player. So at the number six spot, I've got Keon Broxton as uh, probably there. Uh, going to get on base, can drive in some runs, going to hit for average if he does what he did towards the end of last season. I also put Orlando Arcia there as a as a potential, and I'll explain that here in a moment. So probably Keon Broxton, but I leave it open for Arcia to be there. I put the catcher in the seventh spot, and I, I, I don't know who that's going to be yet. I don't know if that's going to be... Uh, Jet Bandy, Andrew Susak, Manny Pena, whoever it might be. There are different there are different options there. Catcher in the seventh spot. And then in the eighth spot, I've got Orlando Arcia with the slash Keon Broxton. Essentially, what I want to do in the eighth spot, I think the eighth spot is a really important place in the lineup uh, because you've got the pitcher coming up after that. And how do you get a pitcher to be able to have a successful at-bat? And a lot of times that has nothing to do with a pitcher being able to get a hit Sometimes it just has to do with a pitcher being able to move someone over. So if you want to, if you don't want the nine spot in the lineup to be a com- just a complete black hole, I like to have a guy in front of the pitcher who's going to get on base and who also has good speed. So you allow a pitcher to be able to sacrifice him over. So actually, I between you know Broxton and Arcia both have good speed. I would actually kind of lean towards the guy who might be getting aboard a little bit more often there in that in that eight spot. So that's my lineup. Again, so the VR, Santana, Braun, Thames, Shaw, Broxton, the catcher, Arcia, and then the pitcher after that. 414-799-1620 or the Acunet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line, 800-877-1620. Part of the question is, though, 
you you want to put together a lineup where you're you're going to put together multiple lineups. I guess is what I want to say because what happens when Aaron Perez is in there? What happens when Scooter Jeanette is in there? If we assume that Scooter is going to make the team as a utility guy, and we'll talk about that more coming up in our next segment. What what happens? What what do you do with guys? I we didn't always see this with Craig Council, and I don't know if we are going to see it with Craig Council. But I've always been a believer that when you've got a core group of guys, they should walk into the ballpark every day kind of having a general idea of where they're hitting in the lineup. And really, Ryan Braun is probably the one guy who can kind of demand where he's going to be in the lineup. Braun likes to hit third. He doesn't want to hit anywhere but third. He's comfortable hitting third. And I think when you're in the same spot in the lineup on on a mostly everyday basis – you it just there's some familiarity there's some comfort that goes along with that and that's that's an important thing so we'll see what happens uh that two spot is a big one and you know Keon Broxton could end up in that two spot he showed a little bit of pop last year uh there in that final month so that's certainly a possibility i'm kind of i have expectations that Domingo Santana is going to stay healthy and take a really big step forward this upcoming season all right so scooter Jeanette all over the place. Where, where is he going to end up? Is he going to make this team? You have to appreciate what he's doing, but is it all going to work out? We'll talk about it next. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly is continuing here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley, 414-799-1620. The Accident Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line 800-877-1620. You can always tweet at me. I enjoy the tweets. At Matt Pauley Radio, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y Radio. My buddy Tom, is he's tweeting at me at least once a week, reminding me that he thinks the Brewers are going to lose 100 games this year. I don't see it. I don't think they're a 100-game uh, losing team this year. I could be wrong. Tom could be right. And, you know, come October, I'll, I'll let Tom know that, hey, you were right. I was wrong. I got no problem with that. I'm married. I know how to say I was wrong. Uh, but this is, uh, yeah, Tom, I appreciate you always being tuned in, always reminding me. I think every tweet I get from Tom, he says the Brewers are going to lose 100 games this year. Man, you gotta, you got to perk up, man. you just gotta, you got to be more positive. That's, uh, that's what you got to do. Milwaukee has risen to a top 50 place to live in America. Our partners at Milwaukee share why, uh, why they think that happened in the latest The Intersection of People and Place podcast. It's up now on the WTMJ mobile app. So Adam McAlvey had a, a note in one of his recent stories. And by the way, Adam McAlvey at MLB.com and Tom Hodricourt uh, and, and Todd Rosiak, for that matter, with the, with the Journal Sentinel, are putting together great content on an, on an everyday basis. People talk about the, the, the print word being a, a dying thing. And it's, I, just, I, I love reading what, the, what they're putting out there. It's, it's really, really good stuff. So you should take a moment. If you've got a few moments each day, hop online. Go go to Brewers.com, go to JSOnline.com, see what they're doing. They're, do, they're doing a nice job covering the team uh, from Maryville. But uh, Adam McAlvey mentions that uh, there's a digital board in the Brewers clubhouse, and it's a schedule for players' early defensive work. And early defensive work evidently happens at 8 o'clock in the morning. Remind, you know, spring training gets going fairly early in the day. But these are baseball players. They're not exactly guys who are generally getting going for work at 8 o'clock in the morning. Well, Scooter Jeanette is getting going at 8 o'clock in the morning every single morning. He is the only player on this board that's listed every single morning at 8 a.m. Because he's, he's working all over the place. 
He's uh, spent a lot of time over at third base. He's also spent time in the outfield. When we had him on uh, Brewers on deck, I asked him when the last time he played in the outfield was. And outside of a uh, outside of a, a like a one inning appearance with the Brewers a couple of years ago, where they were just out of players, he hadn't played outfield since high school. And I really, really appreciate the fact that Scooter Jeanette is working so hard to be able to make this team. And I hope it works out. You know, he's a fairly athletic guy, but everybody always criticized his arm strength. And you know, the reason he could only play second was because he doesn't have the arm to throw over to first. Well, now they're working him at third. I mean, you got to have an arm at third. Working him in the outfield, you got to have an arm in the outfield. So we'll see how this thing plays out. Uh, this is a this is a very interesting storyline because if this team is going to have really really solid depth, being able to keep Scooter Jeanette around, a guy who can hit you a home run off the bench, uh, a guy who can come in as a defensive replacement. I mean, it just gives you it, it's it's a lot different than the first half of the season last year when Colin Walsh was around. Uh, it's it's just it shows you why this team could be better than last year. Depth has a lot to do with it. Scooter Jeanette moving away from being the starting second baseman, but turning into a guy who's uh, a solid utility player. 414-799-1620, the Ancudet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line, 800-877-1620. We'll wrap up the program. If we got time, want to get into a couple more things uh, here in just a moment here on WTMJ. Less than a minute left here in this edition of Brewers Weekly. My name is Matt Pauley. Two quick things to leave you with. A, it starts tomorrow. They play UWM. Hiram Burgos is going to get the start. I was a little surprised he didn't come up last year at some point with the Brewers. He had a pretty good season at AAA, and uh, he gets to uh, get the first start against UWM coming up tomorrow. Also, the new rule being put in place about the intentional walks, not actually throwing pitches. At first, I was as against that as you could possibly be. I felt like it goes against the sanctity of baseball. The more I thought about it, how often do you actually see things happen as a result of a bad intentional walk? Not too often. Baseball's trying to make a lot of changes. I don't like some of them. I can live with this one. We'll talk to you again soon here on WTMJ.